0: to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, par usual, Jeff. Joining me uh, also, as usual, from the Pacific Northwest is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how are you doing this week?
1: Oh, man, I am I am doing better uh, than I could have possibly imagined.
0: All right. Well, that's. I don't know what drugs you're taking, but that's good.
1: <laughs> and I'm not sharing. I uh, know. Shoot.
0: All right. Well, uh, we've got a lot of stuff lined up today. We've got a lot of baseball history because, believe it or not, baseball history keeps being made. And that's that's an easy <laughs> first segment of the show is we can just talk about some stuff that happened in the last week that in 20 years we'll be probably talking about as well. So let's jump right into it. Mark, what do you say?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm ready to rumble.
0: All right. Well, you know what? Uh, there's this guy on the Angels that's not named Mike Trout that people tend to be talking a lot about this year in the last couple of years Shohei Otani it seems like every time he just participates in a game of baseball he does something that like hasn't been done in 100 years or never been done at all and last week it was no different he stole home against the Yankees on Tuesday last week and in doing so, he is the first player to steal home and earn a win on the mound in the same season since the historic Darren Dryford in 2001.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I don't remember Dreyford doing that, but it doesn't shock me that much.
0: I don't remember it either, but I... I don't and I couldn't find if Darren Dreyfurt was the only other person to do it. I would think this doesn't happen a lot. But Dreyfurt was it was in the bottom of the second on the back end of a double steal with Thomas Goodwin that he stole home in 2001. And believe it or not, Dreyfurt had two career stolen bases, but I looked him up. They were both on the back end. So it wasn't, you know, a straight steal home, nor nor was Otani's. But still, Otani is got some good speed
1: Yeah, he's like super fun to watch. Just you never know what's going to happen. The talent level is off the chain.
0: Yeah, so Otani, wow. I mean, he's got 22 stolen bases this year. He he does lead the league in caught stealing with nine. So far up and through until Sunday when we're recording this career wise, he has 51 stolen bases and he's only been caught 17 times. Not bad. Yeah. Coming into this season, he would he'd only been caught eight times. He's been caught nine times this year already. So I think he's he's obviously running more. He's run 31 times before this 15 was his season high of attempts.
1: I just don't think it's natural for pitchers to steal bases.
0: No. And you don't want because you don't want them to get hurt. They're generally not. I mean, that's not something they do or practice. So it can be awkward looking. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be polite to, to uh, you know, the pitchers. Uh, but yeah, that's just generally not something you want to do. You don't want your, especially if you're, you know, like back, uh, in the, in the eighties and nineties when pitchers would wear the warm up jackets on base, you can't steal in those.
1: Yeah. You risk, uh, putting a tear in them. Stuff well, like that. Aerodynamics
0: too. They're, you know, big and puffy and yeah. Comfortable. Would, okay. I'm going to go on a, I'm going to go on a quest. This week, I want to try and find video of a pitcher on base with a warm-up jacket stealing a base.
1: (laughs) I I like that.
0: I'm sure it's happened, or even just like sliding into second or or getting into second on a uh, trying to break up a double play or a fielder's choice or something. I just want to see pitchers running with warm-up jackets. (laughs) I'm a simple man. Uh, Something else that happened during this last week of historic importance abraham toro of the mariners first player in major league history to hit a grand slam off of a pitcher for whom he was traded for earlier in the season
1: yeah that was pretty amazing i actually worked that game so that was fun to watch
0: yeah so he hit it off of kendall graveman right and yeah they were traded toro has been on i mean he's he slumped a little bit here in the last two weeks or so but he's been on fire since that trade and Kendall Graveman, a yeah. little bit less so.
1: Yeah, it uh, it, it ended up being a, at least so far, a trade that's worked out for the Mariners pretty well.
0: Yeah, well, Graveman's a free agent after this year too. Well, I think Toro's under control for another year or two, so I, it, it's a great trade regardless. I think yes. Toro's played over his head so far, but he's a he's a serviceable. You know, infielder, and he's got a great last name, Toro. Now, if he's Toro. not, this is going to come up a little bit later. But if he was not, if if somebody doesn't nickname him the Bull, I'm going to be very frustrated.
1: This is a good point. Yeah,
0: he's he might be a little small to be a bull. What's a what's a young bull called?
1: Um, a young bull, I think. <laughs> a
0: Calf. A, a male? A bullet, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A bullet. A bullet. I like that. I've just coined that all right so maybe we'll, maybe we'll circle back to what what is a young bull called or a small bull a miniature bull do they have miniature bulls they have miniature horses i don't know we'll
1: see would anybody be afraid of a miniature bull
0: i love well, i'm horns, pretty afraid of bulls yeah i think the horns are enough to dissuade me from be like little
1: little hole punches
0: yeah All right, let's uh, let's get on here to this is a new segment that I want to start, especially as we're wrapping up the regular season. You know, we do debuts uh, throughout the season and there's a ton of them this week because traditionally, yeah, this is when rosters used to expand to 40 and now it's just you've got an extra two spots on your roster. But so the list is long. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I wanna start doing here is this is a segment, uh, maybe we can, we can come up with a better name, but for the, uh, for the first installment here, we're gonna call it Remember a Game. And what we're gonna do here, this is something listeners can, can possibly you know some, suggest some wild games that we can remember as well. But we're gonna do this during the off season when we don't have debuts. And for our first game, let's get into the Wayback Machine here, and let's go back to August 7th, 2001. Rockies at the Cubs and we're going to we're going to fast forward right to the middle of the 7th inning and there's a special guest in the WGN booth there to lead the crowd in the 7th inning stretch it's a Chicago native former Bears great and current WCW wrestler that is somehow a member of the Four Horsemen it is Steve Mongo McMichael the Cubs are trailing at this point 2 to 1 and guess who's behind the plate and having a rough day in blue. None other than MLB umpiring legend Angel Hernandez.
1: No oh, you got to love him.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Mongo's not happy cuz his team's losing. He has a mic in his hand going out to the stadium, a beer in his hand and no doubt quite a few already inside of him and he decides that before he leads the crowd in the 7th inning stretch, he's going to call out his buddy Angel Hernandez down on the uh, down on the field those <laughs> home, Chicago. And don't worry, I'll have a, I'll have some speaks with that home plate umpire after the game.
1: Ooh, I want, I do,
0: I- so <laughs> the great shot wow. here is there's a shot of Angel Hernandez looking up at Mongo as he's getting called out, and he is just. Oh, you could—he's seething. He's (laughs) like, (laughs) because usually, you know, everybody calls Angel Hernandez out, you know, not when they can, (laughs) when he can hear them, but he's just so mad. I think he tossed Steve McMichael out of the game. After he finished this, (laughs) I don't really know what that does. But so this is what I like to think that Bill Vec was actually envisioning when he first turned up Harry's, you know, Harry Carey's mic at the stadium when Harry was first starting to sing along. And and he, unbeknownst to Harry, piped it out to the uh, to the crowd. I think this is really what he was looking for, was for somebody to call out umpires. But the thing is, this wasn't even the craziest thing that happened that day. Let's now go to the bottom of the ninth inning. The Cubs are trailing by one. There's one out, runners on first and second, and pinch hitter Joe Girardi is at the plate.
1: ball games.
0: So this doesn't play as well without watching the video, but let me describe this for you. So what happens is uh, when the video starts there, Girardi hits a single to left. Ricky Gutierrez, who was on second for the Cubs, slips going around third and has to scamper back to to third. Well, the throw from left goes to the plate to Sal Fasano, he of the incredible mustache, who then throws it to uh, second base as Girardi was caught halfway between first and second. Second baseman Jose Ortiz then throws it to Helton as they're trying to run down Girardi. And as this is happening, Ricky Gutierrez is inching down the third baseline towards home. Helton throws back to Ortiz, who then threw back to pitcher Gabe White, who is now covering first, who tags out Girardi. And as that happens, Goody breaks for home, sliding headfirst past Fasano's tag to win the game. So the out actually goes 7-2, 4-3, 4-1. And then Gabe White, the pitcher there who slapped the tag on Girardi, threw it home, but it was too late. Just a crazy way to end a game. It, kind of the same way that when a Rosarena slipped down, you know, between third and home and ended up crawling home. Kind of that kind of crazy. It was just a wild game at Wrigley that day back in uh, 2001.
1: That's one of those games where you walk away going, I know we won, but what in the blue heaven happened?
0: Yeah, the thing is, after after that kind of game, like, do you even remember that Mongo McMichael was calling out Angel Hernandez and got tossed (laughs) out after singing the seventh inning stretch? Just one of those crazy, crazy games but uh, that's so we're gonna we're gonna start doing that we might not do it every week here until the off season because we've got uh, you know we've got debuts but that's a that's a new thing we're gonna do a remember a game segment so let's get into another one of our segments that uh, everybody seems to love these days it's time for the Lars Newtbar update Newt. 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 Lars Newtbar not a lot of action this week Uh, Lars has worked his way back onto the bench, it seems. Uh, Since we last talked, just appeared in two games, only had one at bat. But his batting average does sit at 254 right now, which is just above the newt bar. So he's still hanging in there. All right, so now let us jump into our debut segment, because we can still do it here for the next uh, month or so. This show is debuting on September 7th. We have got a... There is a long... Long list, as I as I mentioned, of people that made their debuts today. I've cut it down to just a couple. We're not even going to talk about a couple of them because the first one in 1988 was Kurt Schilling made his debut. We're not going to touch Kurt. Uh, let's go to 1984. Uh, first of all, show favorite Danny Tartable, uh, and I should say show favorite on the uh, on the diamond, not off the diamond. But uh, Danny Tartable made his debut in 1984 along with Dave Valley. Mariner legend oh, wow. behind the Dish yes. Valley in 1984. What I thought was also interesting that in 1992, Dan Wilson also made his debut in Major League Baseball with the Cincinnati Reds. But then he would go on to the Mariners and is now a member of the Mariner Hall of Fame even. So yes, two, two Mariner backstop legends made their debuts in different years today. Speaking of Tartable, I was thinking about the nickname because he's nicknamed the Bull. Pretty easy one, it's in his last name. Uh, There are quite a few players of note nicknamed Bull or the Bull in baseball history. So I started thinking of them. You've got Danny Tartable, of course, you've got Greg Luzinski, you've got Leon Durham, Orlando Cepeda was the Baby Bull. This one I didn't know, Bobby Thompson, he of the Shot Heard Round the World fame, was nicknamed Bull as well. And then there's a couple of Bulldogs. I didn't count those, you know, because there's actually quite a few Bulldogs. But and then there were some other players that I hadn't even heard of that were named the Bull. But that's a a pretty popular. Again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Abraham Toro is as big as (laughs) I think Bobby Thompson is the smallest of that group. And he was probably he probably still quite a bit bigger than Abraham. Right.
1: And baby bull has already been used. So,
0: yeah. Also, 1973, here's a mad dog bill madlock made his debut
1: bill madlock wow yeah. i haven't thought about him in a while
0: great hitter absolutely he I, I think boggs broke his record but before boggs he uh he was the leading third base i think he would won more batting titles as a third baseman than anybody else in baseball he's he might he's a show unto himself he's uh he had a lot of temper issues but i love bill madlock also 1950, Jimmy Pearsall made his debut. Now, we've talked about Jimmy before. He is the subject of the book and movie. Uh, Robert De Niro actually played him called Fear Strikes Out. It's about Jimmy's bipolar issues. Uh, we've talked about him. He ran the bases backwards after hitting a home run. He once stepped up to bat wearing a Beatles wig and playing the air guitar on his bat. <laughs> I don't think Angel Hernandez would have allowed that. Uh, He led cheers for himself in the outfield during breaks and play. He talked to Babe Ruth behind the center field monuments at Yankee Stadium. And he once got into trouble for spanking the four-year-old son of teammate Vern Stevens in the Red Sox clubhouse during a game. Okay. So he didn't just get in trouble for spanking somebody else's kid. It was in the Red Sox clubhouse during a game. And I don't want to know how that happened. (laughs) Uh, Very odd. Yeah, very odd. Remember, Jimmy also went on to call White Sox games with Harry Carey. And despite the antics that I just talked about during disco demolition and and that whole fiasco, when there were people on the field, he was yelling at them for disrespecting the game. (laughs) The, The guy that came to bat with a wig on and playing the air guitar was talking about other people disrespecting the game. Final one, 1931, Van Lingle. Now, we've talked about him when when we were talking about not nicknames, but just good names in baseball. Uh, Tommy Lasorda gave him the nickname Mungo. So he's typically referred to as Van Lingle Mungo. Very uh, odd song that we've played yes. before <laughs> that is kind of an earworm. Like, I am now singing it again because I've remembered it. Great story though, and I think we might have told it before, but while visiting Cuba, Mungo, I just like to call him that because it's a good nickname, was caught in a compromising position with a married woman by her husband. Mungo punched the husband in the eye, leading him to attack Mungo with a butcher knife or a machete, not clear which. (laughs) Fact, it's just a very large, sharp object, which required Dodger's executive Babe Hamburger, which in itself is a great (laughs) story
1: man babe hamburger babe nice.
0: hamburger he had to smuggle mungo in a laundry cart from the hotel to a seaplane waiting at the wharf in order to quickly escape the country
1: all you can do is shake my head whenever you've
0: got a story that includes van lingo mungo babe hamburger and having to smuggle somebody in a laundry cart to a waiting seaplane because of a knife-wielding, jealous husband. I mean, that's that's good stuff right there.
1: Yeah, I've heard a few of those stories, but that's uh, the best one.
0: So uh, that's it for our debuts here for September 7th. Now let's move on to trivia. Now I, I must've worded this, I think I phrased this question like 18 different ways last week. Got a lot of, uh, lot of DMs kind of asking for clarification question was who has hit home runs in the most number of innings i think that is the best way to describe it mark did you have any clue
1: i am gonna i'm just afraid that i'm gonna have to uh say um no no
0: okay no. there's no shame in that i mean i'm trying to make these a little bit difficult we got uh, we got quite a few uh quite a few answers this week let's see we've got one two three four five people came up with the correct answer this week and uh the answer was hall of famer willie mays mm. who hit a home run in 16 different innings that is incredible. Wow. I mean, you've got to play a long time just to be able to get in that bat in 16 different innings.
1: No kidding.
0: But then to have hit a home run in those is quite the feat. So his first inning home run and his 16th inning home runs, both came off of Warren Spahn. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh-huh. The one in the first inning was the first of May's career as well oh wow and the one in the 16th inning broke up one of the all-time greatest pitchers duels which provided a one nothing victory for none other than Juan Marshall over Warren
1: Spahn wow now that's a game of hall of famers that's impressive yeah
0: all right so let's move on quickly to our trivia question for this week and this week's very easy to word whether it's easy to answer I, I don't know but it's very easy to word question is this What is the youngest pitcher catcher battery in Major League Baseball history?
1: Wow, that's a good one.
0: So I will tell you this, Joe Nuxall is not involved in this.
1: Hey, that's where I was gonna go directly to.
0: Absolutely, we've talked about Joe. We, you know, he was in high school and (laughs) finished the season and went back to class. But Joe Nuxall is not involved in, in the youngest battery in Major League Baseball history. So you'll have to look elsewhere and uh, see what you can come up with, let us know. All right, so let us wrap up our BP segment here. We're gonna let them chalk the lines, wet down the infield, and uh, push, the, uh, push the batting cage out to center field because uh, we like to remember Forbes Field. And let's get into the main part of our show this week. Mark, you're gonna talk about somebody that we've touched on briefly in a previous show, but you're gonna go a little bit more in depth on, uh, on a very famous Reds.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about John Michael Pavaskovich, known to most of us as Johnny Pesky.
0: Ah, there we go. Yes, right? Born in
1: 1919, famous Red Sox player, actually born and raised in Portland, Oregon, so a little bit of a local flair for me. Over the course of 60 years, uh, as a manager, coach, color commentator, special instructor player, he uh, spent 60 years with the Red Sox. That's just amazing to me.
0: It's a long time. That is a long time. I'm guessing time. he wasn't playing the whole time.
1: No, he was managing, coaching.
0: He's not a commentator, Frank still goes.
1: counts. So he started off a couple really good years in the minors, won the MVP of the American Association. The Red Sox called him up the next year. At the age of 22, he hit 331 with a 375 on base percentage and led the league with 205 hits. So that was a quite, he jumped on the scene quite uh, rapidly and, and made a big difference. It was uh, him at short, Bobby Doerr, who was another Hall of Famer at second base, and they made what ends up being a, a pretty famous double play combination in the batting title race. He ended up; uh, he didn't even have the best batting average on his team. He finished behind Mister Ted Williams, and uh, third in the MVP voting though, behind Joe Gordon and and of course Ted Williams. So he made a big splash when he came on after one big year of of baseball. Well, World War II came in and just like many of the greats, he missed three years in his prime. And it makes you wonder what he could have done. You know, just like any of these guys, you know, it was just after one year. So he was he was only uh, 24 when he went off to war and he came back at the age of 27 in 1946 and just picked up where he left off. 208 hits leading the league. Okay, so let's talk about 1946 a little bit. Uh, he was uh, a big part of the World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Bo Sox. And this was actually the Red Sox' first appearance in a World Series since 1918. The Red Sox like to put a lot of time in between their World Series, uh, except
0: for very recently. <laughs> yeah, they've stopped that.
1: <laughs> so something pretty famous happened during this World Series. You might have heard of Enos Slaughter's Mad Dash Home. It's where legend says that Enos Slaughter scored from first base on a single, but it was actually a double. So, I've been watching this footage. Slaughter takes off with the pitch. So, he's already got a real good start and he's really, really fast. So, Harry Walker gets a hit right over Johnny Pesky's head. Culbertson, the outfielder, chases it down. Slaughter is booking around. He's going to go ahead and try to score. And Johnny Pesky catches the, uh, the relay, turns, and throws home. Supposedly, he hesitated and just a split second, and Slaughter scored just ahead of the throw. Now I've been watching this footage, man, and I don't know if he really hesitated or if he did, if it made any difference. The footage is out there. Folks, let me know what you think. He, uh, he had to live with that for, I mean, he was cool about it, but he had to live with that for a long time. And there was a famous headline, pesky holds the ball. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm thinking that wasn't really warranted to be perfectly honest. Now, as a, as a hitter, you uh, you got a guy that has an on base percentage like Johnny Pesky. You would want him to steal a lot of bases, right? Well, he wasn't quite the fastest or best base stealer there was. He just stole fifty three bases in his career, but he was caught forty nine times. He was a total crapshoot on stealing the base. The most stolen bases he ever got in one season was twelve. Uh, but he had a, he had an excellent career. Lifetime three oh seven hitter. The lifetime three ninety four on base. But this is where it gets weird. Three ninety four. On base, his slugging is only 386. So his ops is 780. Um, career war, 34.2, so not bad. Not enough to, to really get him into the Hall of Fame, enough to, to make a case for it, at least put him as, as part of the conversation. You wonder what he would have done in those three years if that would have been enough to put together a Hall of Fame career. As a shortstop, he, uh, his war is still not super high. But it does outrank Huey Jennings, who is a shortstop in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, another case. I don't see him as a Hall of Famer guy, but um, I certainly see him as someone who uh, we don't hear about that much, who was quite a fantastic baseball player.
0: Remember, we talked about the pesky poll, and he actually had like two or three home runs that were home runs because of that poll, but still somehow it was named after him.
1: The story goes, and it's told by uh, former pitcher Mel Parnell um, he, on the broadcasting crew, and he told a story about Pesky hitting a game-winning home run around the pole, and his official measurement was 302 feet. But the one time that Pesky homered in a Parnell start, it was in a losing cause. And by Pesky's own recollection, the decisive eighth-inning home run he hit in the 46 home opener did wrap around the pole, but they think that's one of only one or two. He, he did not, he was not exactly a power hitter, as we discussed, with a total of 17 career home runs. So he may have launched uh, two or three, launch might be a strong word, he may have popped two or three over the pesky, around the pesky pole, but uh, it wasn't named for him for hitting 100 home runs back there.
0: I'm watching that, I watched the video of that, uh, of the the mad dash by Enos Slaughter. Yes. Just looks like, uh, I, I don't know that pesky's gonna get him, even if he doesn't hesitate there. He's in deep short, and it had to be a perfect throw.
1: That's a great point, yeah.
0: that's a. That was a great job of base running, but he just slaughtered, though. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> he's flying on that. He takes off as the, the pitcher's winding up, and he's gone. I mean, he does not let up. He is just gone, and he flies home. That, that was definitely, it got the right moniker, the mad dash, for sure.
0: You know, Pesky, when he catches it from the outfield, Slaughter is just getting, you know, he's like maybe one step off of third towards home but pesky's momentum wasn't going towards home and he is off the infield grass he's in the he's in the shallow outfield so i mean that would have been a really tough play that was a fun play to watch though
1: (laughs) it is actually folks go watch it it's uh, a nice little bit of baseball history and it's uh it's interesting to watch because it is you tell me did he hesitate too long like jeff said would his throw have even got him good questions
0: would have had to have been a perfect throw. And it didn't look, you know, like I said, he didn't have a whole lot on the throw. I don't know if he had a good arm or not. Thanks for making me watch. The, you didn't make me watch it. Thanks for letting me watch
1: it. <laughs> I twisted your arm.
0: All right. So that was a little bit more about Johnny Pesky.
1: The uh, was he, he wasn't really that pesky,
0: though, was he? He was a good bunter, but just didn't have the speed.
1: He was he was pesky in, in that he could get on base. So he was a pesky dude to keep off bases. But, yeah, he wasn't... Uh, He's not going to run well, real fast. I guess, you
0: know, getting on base, he led the league in his first three years in hits. So I guess that's pretty pesky. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. And it's interesting to think because that was he he led the league in hits and then three years away from baseball and then led the league in hits again. So it makes you wonder if he would have done it all those years.
0: All right. So uh, let's get on now to the final segment of the show. It's been described as popular before. Let's see if it continues to be so. It is time for wax packs
1: back heroes. Hero stars in your side. Wax Pack hero! Gotta pull of wax back, hero, Got the wax back hero. Got stars in you! Podcast
0: All right, so uh, if you are new here, and even if you're not, let's just refresh everybody's memory on uh, what we do here. We open up a couple of packs of uh, baseball cards from the 80s and 90s, a.k.a. the wax pack era, the junk wax era whole bunch of different ways you can describe it, but uh, we're gonna open them up and we are going to take a look at the players that we pull out and we are gonna sign them a value, which is determined by the baseball reference war of the year of the pack for that player. But we have a couple of different things that we can do to uh, either add or subtract points to our total. First, if that player is wearing anything around their eyeball area, you're gonna get extra 10th of a point. That means flip down sunglasses. That means wrap around sunglasses that means a monocle. It means anything. If, if they put, if they're wearing the funny, you know, nose and, and mustache glasses, it's going to count. Which
1: happens a lot. It
0: does. Well, the Mariners had a whole night dedicated to it. That's right. That happens, you're going to get a tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups where you can see the sanitaries, that's an extra tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing, though, the two and ones, which I know a lot of players like, uh, we don't like that, though. That's going to be a minus a tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing sweatbands, that have your caricature, your jersey number, or anything other than the logo of the manufacturer on it. We're gonna give you an extra 10th of a point of war. If you won an award that season, rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP, if you were an all-star or if you won a gold glove, you're gonna get an extra half a point of war for each of those. And uh, if you are now in the Hall of Fame, you are going to get a whole extra point of war. Also, Mark, you and I each pick a team each week. And if I pull a card from my team, I get an extra half a point of war. But if I pull your team, I minus a half a point of war. So I'm going to let you choose uh, your team this week. Who uh, Who's it going to be?
1: Well, in honor of Johnny Pesky, I'm going to go with the Boston Red Sox.
0: All right. Well, then typically I would go with the New York Yankees because I tend to go with the opposite, you know, the kind of the rival of your team. But I picked them a couple of weeks ago. So I am going to go with the, uh, with the other, you know, kind of the other typical nemesis rival. I am going to go with the uh, San
1: Diego Padres. There you go, right up there. Natural rivalry.
0: Yes. All right, so uh, taking a look at the scoreboard, I am currently up on top. I have won three games, Mark, you have won two. This week, we are gonna be opening some Don Russ 1993 series one cards. These are not in a wax pack. These are in kind of the uh, the upper deck like packaging now. Very fancy. So I've got two packs of them here. One in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like to claim? We're going right. Going right. All right. I'm going to, as usual, make you go first because I like being the home team so I can walk it off. Let's go ahead and uh, open these bad boys. Oh, they're high gloss because here we go. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the stuff right there. There you go. All right. We are going to start off with a <laughs> strong start here for you, because I've never heard of this guy. It is a pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. It's Keith Shepard.
1: OK, uh, Keith Shepard. Yeah, Um not quite familiar with him myself.
0: <laughs> well, he spent four years in the big leagues and all four years were with a different team. And he only ended up with uh, 41 games in the big leagues. In 1993, he was in Colorado, which probably doesn't bode well for you pitcher in colorado he went one and three with a 6.98 era which is probably about league average for colorado at that point and uh, an era plus of 70 and that equates to a war of minus 0.4 right off the bat i like i like where this is headed
1: that's always good to start in the hole
0: all right so if you want to learn a little bit more about keith Shepard, go ahead and look him up on the wikipedia page we're not going to talk about it here but there is some uh Some crazy stuff there that uh, Mr. Shepard and an ex-girlfriend went through at one point. So, all right, we're just going to move on to the next card. Here you go. You've got a rated rookie card. And uh, here he is with the hammers. It is outfielder Melvin Nieves.
1: Now, you know, the, the name sounds familiar, but it might be just from collecting cards.
0: I believe I know this name mainly just because I was still working in Atlanta at that point. But Melvin Nieves ended up seven years in the big leagues, only one with Atlanta. In 93, he was with the Padres, only appeared in 19 games, 52 OPS plus, and a war of minus 0.3. <laughs> and there is nothing on this card that is going to help you out either. So... Again, I, I, I like where this is headed. That's a minus 0. 0.7 right out of the gate.
1: Did Donruss do this to me intentionally? I mean, did you they picked, have the foresight
0: hey, to pull it off? You picked this pack, uh, just a reminder. <laughs> That's true. All right, so uh, next we get to a guy. We've actually talked about this guy quite a bit. This is a great-looking card. It looks like it's uh, in Toronto. It's a catcher for the Texas Rangers. It's a Gino Petrolli.
1: Gino! Gotta love Gino Petrolli, man. Just the name itself is is the most Italian name you could think of.
0: Yes, but of course, we discovered that uh, he is of Icelandic descent, right? He's pretty clearly Italian. Uh, 1993 was his final year in the big leagues, 12 years in the majors, nine of it with the Rangers in uh, 1993. He was 33 years old and uh, he was pretty much a backup catcher at this point, only appeared in 60 games and ended up with an OPS plus of 80, and that equates to a war of 0.2.
1: You're in the positive. Oh, good. I'm pulling a little bit out of the the giant hole I'm in.
0: Yeah, now, unfortunately, this is an action shot. He's, like, up in the air, but he's wearing his catcher's gear, so I can't see his stirrups. Nothing there. Oh, but he he does have eye black on, so that does count. So uh, that'll get you a positive 0.3 on that, and uh, you're working your way back to a positive.
1: I need a Hall of Famer.
0: Oh, I think we've talked about this before. In... 1987, and that's funny, uh, Hoyt Wilhelm has come up an awful lot in my reading this last week, and here he is again, because uh, in 1987, Petrolli committed six passed balls in one game to tie the major league record, which was also set when uh, Hoyt Wilhelm was on the
1: mound. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, this is not necessarily the fault of the catcher.
0: No, Uh, and Charlie Huff was on the mound who obviously was a knuckleballer, and we've talked about that. All right, well, this is going to make you happy. It's probably not going to get you a whole lot of points, but uh, it is none other. And here he is with the Royals, not with the Met to the Cardinals. It's show favorite Greg Jeffries.
1: Greg Jeffries. So what did you say he's with the... The Royals. Yeah. Royals on this part? Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: So uh, Greg Jeffries spent one season with the Royals in 92. In 93, he began his stint with the Cardinals, where well, he was only there for two years. I thought he was there longer. But uh, hmm. get this, he was an all-star in 1993, so that's good. Got MVP votes, had 16 home runs, 83 RBI, an OPS of 894, which was good for a 142 OPS plus. And that will get you a 5.1 war. Plus, Thank he you. was an all-star, so that'll be 5.6.
1: Greg Jeffries pulling me out of the hole. a boy.
0: Yeah, those all those rookie cards might not have really helped you financially but he's helped you here in wax pack zeros all right so you're at 5.2 now we've get uh, another slugging outfielder uh, that you would think of with the mets but he had a uh, pretty i think he spent a couple of years with the dodgers it is daryl strawberry
1: yeah daryl actually spent a little uh, what three or four years
0: let's see daryl strawberry spent three years with the dodgers he spent eight with the mets believe it or not he was on the yankees for five years it's a long time. And he also spent one year that I do remember in San Francisco. But in 93, it was his final year with the Dodgers. He only appeared in 32 games, a 58 OPS plus, And that equates to a war of minus 1.0. And there's nothing uh, on this card that's going to help you out. <laughs> I,
1: I, I think I, I've got a new band name, Greg Jeffries and the negative numbers. Yeah,
0: you really, really do. You know, if looking at Daryl Strawberry's numbers here, 1988 with the Mets, the only year that he has any black ink in his career. He won the Rookie of the Year in 1983, coming up with the Mets. No black ink. He led the league in 88 in home runs, slugging OPS and OPS Plus. But that is it. Hmm. Ended up with a 1,000 RBI exactly. Wow. Uh, I don't think we need to go into the personal stuff. Of course, Daryl Strawberry, though, was on the uh, Simpsons Homer at the Bat episode.
1: That's right. Bart was crying out, Daryl. And it, and it hurt his feelings.
0: Very, very sensitive. All right, next, you've got a Mariner. Uh, you've All got right. a Mariner that we've talked about. He made a barehanded catch in the outfield and had a lot of problems on the off the field. But uh, here he is, Kevin Mitchell.
1: Kevin Mitchell, a heck of a slugger, but um, fairly inconsistent and, as you said, had his off-the-field problems.
0: Yeah, so in 1993 was his first of two years, two and a half years, with the Cincinnati Redlegs. He appeared in 93 games. He had 19 home runs, 64 RBI, and a 160 OPS plus. Not too bad. That equates to a war of 2.6. Plus, he's got eye black on here. So that is a 2.7. All right. uh, Next. Well, this is going to be a fun one. Well, there's a fun one here. You have got a card that is in neon. It's not actually, but it's
1: uh, Deion Sanders. I'm time. My favorite players of all time.
0: So let's see, you know, Neon played for nine years in the big leagues. Only one year, though, did he play more than 100 games. In 1993, he was with Atlanta. He paired 95 games, stole 19 bases, hit 276 with a 321 on base. on base isn't that great. Uh, but uh, he slugged 452 and had a 105 OPS plus, and that equates to a 1.5 war. And uh, shockingly enough, nothing on this card is going to get you anything.
1: Well, you know what? I'll take the uh, the one point five. It's a whole lot better than what I've been hitting. Thank you, Mr. Deion Sanders.
0: Yeah, I think he's the head coach at a at I don't know some college at this point. You know how closely I follow football, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's go on. Wow, you've got you have got some names here from the late nineties in terms of slugging. I guess Strawberry is more of the late 80s. But here you have got with the Texas Rangers, none other than the chemist, Jose Canseco. <laughs> chemist. You, this is really a rogues gallery of players. You've got Strawberry. You've got Mitchell. You've got Canseco. I mean, these are not like your, your choir boys.
1: No, definitely not.
0: <laughs> so let's see. In 1993, his, uh, well, shockingly enough, he didn't play the whole year. <laughs> which i know is a shock <laughs> to everybody appeared in only 60 games hit 10 home runs 46 rbi still had a 106 ops plus now looking at this Conseco played for 17 years in the big leagues he never had an ops plus under 103 huh. so every single year of his career he was above the major league average of ops that's impressive
1: I I did not have any idea. A career
0: OPS plus of 132. And uh, let's see, in 1993, that equates to a war of 0.1. Good news for you. He's wearing some wraparound sunglasses, so that will uh, get you a 0.2. I don't think, have (laughs) we ever pulled a Jose Canseco in this before?
1: I don't think we have. There's plenty we we can talk about. about.
0: Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about all of it. But uh, of course, with the Rangers, he did his his best Pele impersonation with the header over over the wall for a home run
1: one of the most iconic moments in, in major league blooper history.
0: Yeah. And then he was with the Red Sox, wasn't he? When he injured his elbow pitching. Yes. <laughs> a
1: blowout. Like, a, looked like a freak out there.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, you are at 8.6. Now this is a cool card because it is a pitcher for the Cubs. It is Jeff Hartstock, who I don't remember, but this is a great card because he is clearly throwing a palm ball in this card. Oh, nice. Uh, Jeff hartstock one year in the big leagues, and that was in 1992. So you're not going to get anything out of this. He appeared in four games for the Cubs, 6.75 ERA.
1: Sorry, he can keep his stats. I'm looking at his uh 92, and his WHIP was over two. So you know <laughs> uh, that that's fine. He can be. He can not play in in my year. That's fine.
0: Yeah, alumni of North Carolina State University. That's about the you know the highlight of his. Uh, of, his, of what we can talk about him, but, uh, still made it to the big leagues. He's, uh, he got, uh, in the, uh, encyclopedia. So congratulations. All right. Nope. So you are still at 8.6. Next we move on to, well, you're going to get points right off the bat because this guy's wearing goggles. Reminds me of, uh, of a dog that used to pedal Budweiser. I think it was uh, back in the day.
1: <laughs> I think I know who you're talking uh, about. It's
0: Buds McKenzie himself, Chris Sabo, not a great public speaker as we've, uh, as we've played the clip of him during the 1990 World Series <laughs> Parade in Cincinnati. <laughs> yes. I think he had his first beer ever during that. He, is, he was uh, uh, 1988 Rookie of the Year. In 1993 was his final year with the Reds. Appeared in 148 games, uh, 21 home runs. He had, you know, he had some pop for a while there. 82 RBI, a 100 even OPS plus. And that equates to a 1.4 war. Now, he does have the goggles on, but he also is wearing two-in-ones because he's lazy. So you're just going to get the 1.4. I
1: was watching a, uh, a jersey giveaway the other day, and the guy drew a Chris Sabo jersey, and I was like, oh, lucky guy? Okay, what's the next one?
0: <laughs> so according to the internets, which is never wrong, he's currently the head baseball coach at the University of Akron. You know what they are, what their uh, mascots is? I don't. The Zips. I think the the zips the zips which are apparently kangaroos oh I don't know I I think that's their what their logo is a kangaroo and I there I know they're the zips so we'll just say that that has something to do with each other all right so you are at 10 even and next you get a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers it is Steve Wilson this is a left-handed reliever I remember I know him because of uh, the baseball game I used to play in uh, 1993 it was his final year so he was a left-handed reliever and he retired at the age of 28 i have to assume it was injury-based because again
1: because he should have pitched till he was 57 yes
0: uh let's see went one and oh in 25 games with a 4.56 era and that equates to a war of 0.2 he does have real stirrups as well so that'll get you a 0.3
1: well i got that going for me
0: okay next you get uh we like we've we've both profess that we liked this guy when he was playing. Here he is center fielder for the Red Sox, Ellis Burks.
1: Oh yeah, I loved Ellis Burks. All-around dangerous player. I think he was a a rookie.
0: He had the rookie card in the 87 tops, didn't he? He had that nice wood grain.
1: Was it 87?
0: Yeah, it wasn't. He wasn't a he wasn't a rated rookie or a, a it was the 88 tops that he got the tops All-Star rookie, but he does have an 87 uh baseball card from Tops with that wood grain. Gotcha. Uh, let's see, though. Ellis Burks, 18 years in the majors. Very nice. Finished in Boston in 2004. Only in 11 games, but I don't I don't remember that. Uh, 83, or I'm sorry, 93, though, uh, he left Boston. First year in Chicago with the White Sox. First and only year. Not a bad season. 17 home runs, 74 RBI, 275 batting average, and a 114 OPS plus. And that equals a war of 2.9. Uh, He, no, no eye black here on this. I thought he did, but nothing there. So that'll just be a positive 2.9 for you and bring you up to
1: 13.2. We're just happy that we got another positive uh, number.
0: About time. Ellis Burks only hit one walk-off home run in his career. Huh. Kind of uh, interesting.
1: Uh, played in exactly 2,000 games.
0: He probably reached that mark and said that's enough.
1: Pretty good career numbers, though. 402 career doubles, 63 triples, and... 352 career home runs. Not bad.
0: Yeah, 291 career average. 181 stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, he was a really good, uh, really good uh, player. Good defensively.
1: Won a gold glove. Yep.
0: All right. So you are at 13.2. You've got two cards left. And uh, your second to last card is pitcher for the Yankees, Steve Farr.
1: Yeah, I remember Steve Farr. He pitched, I don't know, nine, 10 years or something. But um, I remember him as a royal.
0: 11 years in the big leagues, six in Kansas City. Probably not a great last name if you're a pitcher. Kind of <laughs> similar to, to Bob Walk or Grant Balfour. Uh, you know, far. Uh, let's see, 1993 was his final year with the Yankees. He went two and two in 49 games out of the pen. 25 saves. He must have been their closer, obviously, in in 1993. Actually finished his career with three... No, I'm sorry. Finished his career with 132 saves. Uh, let's see an ERA plus of 100, so right on the league average. The year before, with the Yankees, he had a 2.53 ERA plus. He finished <laughs> with a 1.56 ERA and 30 saves, 37 strikeouts in 52 innings, and only 19 walks. Wow! Wow! That would have, uh, if you would have pulled that, that would have been a 2.6 WAR. But instead, you get the point three. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so close
0: (laughs) all right so your final card is a left-handed pitcher for the guardians it is derek Liliquist.
1: Liliquist, i do remember
0: yeah uh lefty reliever he retired at the age of 30 so again guessing there was some injuries involved there 1993 though he was with cleveland went four and four in 56 game Uh, 56 games had 10 saves a 2.25 era not too shabby and a 194 era plus again in 1992 he had a 2.25 era plus (laughs) with a 1.75 era if these were 92 cards you would be doing very well uh 93 that equates to a war of 2.3 which is not bad and he's got real
1: stirrups so that's 2.4 eric lilliquist coming through in the clutch
0: Yeah, very nice. So that will bring your total up to 15.9, which is not bad, especially the way you started
1: out. Right. It was a little rough at the beginning.
0: All right. So uh, let's see. We did not have – you didn't have any Yankees in that, did you? Nope. Or or did you have – was Steve Farr – wait, Steve Farr is in a Yankees uniform here. Oh, he is. So uh, I I was trying to short you, apparently. Wait a minute.
1: I I picked the Red Sox. Oh, all right. Well, then never mind.
0: Oh, wait. We got Ellis Burks. Oh, Yeah. All right, so uh, I was trying to short you here. I I said you had 15.9. I forgot that you had picked the Red Sox um, as your team, and Ellis Burks was at the Red Sox here. So you're gonna get an extra half a point there, and that'll bring you up to 16.4. Let let it never be said that I am not all about being fair. No Padres, though. (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay, I won't say it then. All right, so
0: here we go with my pack. Let's crack the back here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am going to start off with a shortstop for the Mets, who's most definitely got some real stirrups. I think that's probably all I'm going to get here. It is shortstop Kevin Baez.
1: I thought you were going to say Kevin Elsker.
0: Well, that would have probably been a lot better for me. Uh, Let's see, Kevin Baez. Oh, well, you know, he spent three years in the big leagues. All of it was with the Mets. 93 was the only year that he played in double digits. He got into 52 games, uh, an on-base of 259, and an OPS-plus of 40. That equates to a war of minus .2. He does have real stirrups though, so I am only gonna start out at minus .1, but nonetheless, it's a minus. Kevin Baez uh, managed the Long Island Ducks for a couple of years, that independent team. Ricky played there for a little bit. But uh, all right, next, oh, this is a guy that I like. You know this guy, and I know him from the A's, but here he is with the Mariners, it's Dan Howitt.
1: Dan Howitt, I believe, uh, yeah, I know, got the last home run hit off of Nolan Ryan.
0: Yeah, so Dan Howitt, that's Dan with two N's, mind you. Dan Paul John Howitt. That's a lot of first names. Let's see, six years in the big leagues. Four of it was within Oakland. In 93, uh, he only got into 32 games with the Mariners. This doesn't bode well. Uh, He did have two home runs that year, a 61 OPS plus and a war of 0.0. Nothing on the card's gonna help me or hurt me, but uh, Dan Howitt, uh, as you mentioned, hit the final home run off of Nolan Ryan, a grand slam on September 22nd, 1993. Nolan Ryan left the mound and retired after uh, after the, I guess it was probably after the year, I don't think he retired right on the, on the spot. All right, so that doesn't help me at all, Dan. Can we pick it up a little bit? All right, so I'm still at minus point 0.1. My next card is pitcher for the Royals, Bill Sampon. Wow, no clue. Yeah, so far, if I had paid money for this, well, I did pay money for this pack, but if I had paid like a dollar for this pack, I'd be a little upset. Uh, <laughs> Bill Sampin, probably best known with the Royals where he spent most of his five-year career. In 1993, he was with the Royals. He went two and two with a 5.89 ERA, which uh, equates to a 79 ERA plus and a... Mm, minus .2 war And there's nothing that's going to help me here So I am uh, going the wrong way As you did uh, To start your pack Bill Sampen owns an instructional baseball program Known as Samp's Hack Shack Which is rather an odd name for a pitcher But okay Next, I've got a rated rookie. Oh boy, I'm sure I'm going to cash in on this, but he is with the Padres. So there is a half a point right off the right off the bat for me. It is first baseman outfielder, Dave Staten.
1: Dave Stanner Staten, yeah, one or the other.
0: S-A-T-A-T-O-N. He looks like he's about 14 in this picture. 1993 was his rookie year. He spent two years in the big leagues, both with the Padres. Uh, Let's see, he had five home runs, nine RBI in 17 games. Not too bad. 326 OPS, 690 slugging for a 163 OPS plus, and a war, despite of all despite all that, of a minus 0.1. But uh, I am going to get a plus 0.5 for being on the Padres, so I am now at least in the positive at, uh, let's see, I got to do my math here. That's a 0.2. So Dave Statton, actually a native of Seattle, Washington. Hey, how about that? Uh selected in the fifth round of the 89 draft by the Padres. Oh, played for the Spokane Indians. Are they gonna change their name? I, I know the Spokane oh. Indians have been around for a long time, but
1: I'm not sure. I haven't thought of that.
0: I think they should. This Spokangelis I don't think they can call them the Guardians. What's Spokane <laughs> known for? Speed traps going to Pullman Washington. That's about <laughs> The all I...
1: Spokane speed traps. I like that. <laughs>
0: All right, so I am at positive point two. Next we get, now we've talked about this guy before because I made, uh, we did a little story on his walk-up music, which I thought used to be about pants, but it is not. Here he is uh, listed as a shortstop for the Hammers. It is Vinny Castilla.
1: Ah, Vinny Castilla, yeah, he had a decent career.
0: Yeah, I believe he came up with the, I believe he came up with the Hammers and then went to the Rockies And then ended up back at the Hammers, went back to the Rockies and then a couple of other stops and then finished up his career with the Rockies at 38 years old. Nice career. 1993 was his first year in Colorado, Uh, ended up with nine home runs and an OPS plus of 71. Not great. And a war of minus point five Vinny. And he's got two and
1: ones. Wow, rough time. Uh, you didn't get 96, 97, or 98 yeah. where you hit 40 home runs <laughs> I, or more.
0: <laughs> no, it was a couple more years, and I would have had some good numbers there. Uh, not not going to help me a lot there, Vinicio Castilla Soria. His last name is Soria, but he goes by Castilla. All right, so, again, not going in the right direction here. I'm not sure that uh, Kurt Knudsen is going to help me out a whole lot here with the, po- uh, with the uh, Tigers.
1: Kurt and I grew up together, actually. I don't believe you. Yeah, I'm making that up.
0: I would have heard about it before this if that was true, but uh, Kirk Knutson also grew up in Fair Oaks, California, so I know you did not. Uh, 1993, okay. he spent, uh, let's see, first of all, three years in the big leagues total. 1993, uh, all of them were with Detroit. 1993, went 3-2 with a 4.78 ERA. Uh, struck out 29, walked 16 and 37 in two-thirds innings. That's good for a 91 ERA plus, And a war of 0.0. I'll take it. I'm happy about that. It's a negative, right? <laughs> My only positive points thus far have been because I had a player on the Padres. That is the only positive that I have had so far. Now, this next guy is gonna get me some, some points. I, I promise you that. It is a left-handed closer for the New York Metropolitan since John Franco. Oh, there you go. John Franco spent 21 years in Major League Baseball. That's a long time. He retired at 44. Now, see, there's the there's the age that you expect a left handed reliever to retire at uh, 1993. He was 32 years old. He was not the primary closer for the Mets. He only got 10 saves, a 5.20 ERA. Uh, that's a 78 ERA plus, And I, I'm not I can't promise a positive war now. In fact, it is a minus point eight. How in the world? And, you know, Oh, he's got real stirrups on though. I can see some space in there. So that's at least only a minus point seven, which will take me down to a minus one point one. This is <laughs> this is ugly.
1: It's really ugly. This is what's ugly. going
0: on. <laughs> Man. Oh, this is <laughs> Throughout his career, Franco supplied tickets to members of the Bonanno crime family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There was no suggestion that he committed any crimes, but his behavior was in violation of MLB rules forbidding contact with known criminals. Oh, wow. The Bonanno crime family is uh, one of the five families that dominate uh, organized crime in New York City. Well, he's from (laughs) Brooklyn. I mean, that is. That's uh, true. He's right in there.
1: Yeah, he actually um, 424 career saves. That's uh, fifth all time in Major League history.
0: Also named Captain of the Mets at one point. Remember when the Mets used to wear a big C on their uniform? Uh, Oh yeah. They were the captain. Yeah. Joan Franco was uh, one of those guys. All right. Well, uh, I'm not, uh, not too excited about this next card. Uh, He's a lefty though. Uh, For the Royals, it's Eddie Pierce.
1: Eddie Pierce. Yeah.
0: Eddie Pierce. So when I type him into Google, his uh, baseball reference page does not appear in the first page of search results. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not a, that's not a good thing. All right. Ed Pierce. Maybe, maybe he prefers Ed one year in the big leagues. That was in 1992. So I'm going to get nothing out of
1: this. <laughs> it's, it's not a negative dude.
0: Well, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a positive positive. one year, two games at yeah, 1.280 ERA plus. So I would have gotten a war of 0.1, but, uh, that doesn't matter. Cause that's the, the wrong year, two years in the big leagues and, uh, and he was done. So I'm going to stay steady at minus 1.1. Next uh, card for me is with the Philadelphia Phillies. It is shortstop Kim Batiste.
1: Kim Batiste? Well, you got me on that or one. Or is it
0: Batista? No, it, it's is B-A-T-I-S-T-E. I think it's Kim Batiste. His full name is Kimothy. I love that. Kimothy. I don't know if you remember if you watched The Office when uh, somebody thought Jim's first name was Jimothy. <laughs> 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 Kimothy spent five years in the big leagues. Four of it was with the Phillies in 1993. He appeared in 79 games, which was a career high. Uh, you know, had five home runs, 29 RBI, 282 batting average, and that is an OPS plus of 96. A 298 on base average. That is awful.
1: While well, well, hitting 282.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he walked three times in 156 at bats, struck out 29, and had uh, 44 hits.
1: That's uh not the numbers you were looking for, I'm sure
0: no uh, to you know for you know in his defense uh, that is a war of 0. 0.0 well I and I can't see first of all, he's wearing high tops, which is a crime against humanity, so I cannot see any stirrups so I, I'm gonna just take it as a as a wash again a dot ball there uh, it's the best I can hope for. Wow, so this is a great pack. Um, well, here yes, we
1: it certainly is. here we go
0: we, we're familiar with this guy because uh, it's a card you pulled. it's Daryl Strawberry
1: oh okay we just went over that
0: yeah so uh this will be a quickie here daryl strawberry in uh, 1993 had, we're just going to go to the opia or to the war here because we already covered him with he was a minus 0.1 of course i i am really bucking for the first negative total here
1: oh, i'm sorry man a little a little so i'm
0: at minus uh 2.1 with just uh, not a whole lot of cards left uh This, though, is one of my favorite players for the Oakland Athletics ever. It is none other than Lance. Oh, darn, you sank my Blankenship.
1: Ah, Lance. Very good guy. Very quiet.
0: Uh, Let's see. Lance Blankenship played for six years. We had him a couple of weeks ago. We Mm -hmm. had him a couple of weeks ago. All six years were with the Oakland Athletics. 93 was his final year. He was a utility player. Look at this. Positions listed. Eight, four, seven, pinch hitter, designated hitter, first base, right field, shortstop. Wow. Uh, let's see. He played everywhere except for third base and catcher, and he didn't. Well, I, I don't want to say he didn't pitch. Let's see. Did he ever pitch in his career? He would have. He would have if he was playing today. But no, he never came in in, in relief in a blowout. Uh, went to Berkeley though. Went to Cal. Oh wow. Nice. Uh, let's see. In 1993, ended up with a 74 OPS plus, but he had a WAR of 1.5. And believe it or not, as a member of the Oakland Athletics in the early 90s, is wearing real stirrups.
1: There you go. So
0: 1.6, my biggest point bringer of the of the day.
1: Lance Blankenship leads the team.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of rooting to finish in the negative here. If I'm going to get blown out, I want to get blown out.
1: Something interesting. Um, in 93, he had 48 hits, walked 67 times. He's an on-base machine. <laughs> Apparently so. That's, uh, wow. Yeah, he walked a ton
0: all right so uh, my next card is a uh i think he was a first round draft pick because we've had him before here he is with the padres which is good for me that's my team it is well, andy bennis
1: uh, i loved andy bennis it was uh, the first one of the very first uh, people to be traded to the mariners as a, a hired gun you know towards september or at the uh, end of july now he's not related to
0: elaine bennis is that correct
1: I'm pretty positive since Elaine Bennis is fictional, but he that is, they're not related.
0: He is related to Alan Bennis, though. But yes, uh, Andy Bennis was the first round pick overall by the Padres in the 88 draft in 1993. And this is all boating, well, I'd say not well for me because I wanted to finish in the negative. But he was an all-star in 1993. He went 15-15, and 15, a 3.78 ERA. Struck out 179, not really a big strikeout number guy, although he led the league. Wow, in 94, he led the league with only 189, but that was the strike year, so it was a little bit short. Oh. Let's see, all of this equates to an ERA plus of 109 and a war of 4.8, plus he was an all-star, plus he's on the Padres, so that is 5.8. Venice yeah so that brings me up to 5.3 in a matter of seconds <laughs> my uh, second to last card is a shortstop for the dodgers it is rafael Bornegal, not born again Bornegal.
1: Bornegal. remember i remember him but i'm not sure he played a lot
0: i'm pretty sure he played forever <laughs> he was one of those uh utility guys well actually he played for seven years so kind of in the middle but yeah, he played everywhere in the infield, and his final year he with uh, Seattle, he even played a little left field. But uh, 1993, he only appeared in eight games for the Dodgers, uh, a 191 OPS plus, but that's only an 18 at-bats, so it's probably not going to be much. A war of positive 0. .4, and he's got glasses, and he's got real stirrups.
1: Okay, hey, You're making this last-second surge here.
0: Yeah, this is a, a, a... It's like I'm facing the A's bullpen late in the game here, just... Hit after hit. <laughs> uh, the card is good because uh, Damon Berryhill is sliding into second base while Rafi puts the tag on him. Nice. Damon Berryhill switch hitting catcher, of course. All right. So I am at 5.9 going into my final
1: card. Your score was 16.4. So you need the league MVP who is now an or is now a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah. So I have got a, I do have a Hall of Famer. Oh. He is a member of the Hammers who is uh, anti-vax. Now that does not narrow it down. Because it could be either John Smoltz or it could be Chipper Jones at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this, though, is uh, baseball hater John Smoltz. So Hall of Famer, obviously. 1993, he was an all-star for the Hammers. So there is uh, a, a full point right... Or no, a point and a half right out of the gate. He also has on real stirrups. So there's 1.6 right out of the gate. 1993, ended up 15-11 and 11 with a 3.62 ERA. 208 strikeouts in 243 innings and an ERA plus of 111. And that equates to a war of only 2.3. Hmm.
1: I'd have thought I'd been higher.
0: I would have as well. So let's see 2.3. An all-star is 2.8. Plus he's a hall of famer, which is 3.8. And the stirrups is 3.9. Not a great haul for me. That takes me up to 9.8 and hands view, you your second victory in a row and it also ties us at three and three
1: it was a it was an ugly game though
0: it really was it really was that was an awful pack for me but uh, all right there you go there is another episode of wax packs heroes and uh wrapping that up that's gonna wrap up another episode of our show here we want to thank everybody for listening uh, as usual if you want to rate and review us we really do appreciate that that really helps us uh, also if you want to send us a dm follow us on social media or a bunch of other platforms you can always find us at two strength noise that is at two Strike noise uh, just about everywhere i'll also put show, uh, some links in the show notes for our uh, our Twitch, our YouTube. We also have a email address if they want to send us email. Mark's going to tell you about that.
1: Two strike noise at gmail.com. Spell it out. two noise at gmail. Go ahead and send us an old-fashioned electronic mail.
0: We would certainly love to hear from you. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. We will see you again next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.